You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. I hope you're enjoying this chapter in the book of Daniel so far. I love this chapter. I get so much enjoyment reading this. I don't know if it's just because it's written by King Nebuchadnezzar, and that's such a unique thing right here in the middle of the book of Daniel. It's really unique to the whole Bible. But I think I just like this passage in particular so much because it gives such an excellent description of the gospel. It really shows God's mercy to pursue a lost person and to go to great lengths to try to get their attention to teach such a simple but profound lesson over and over. And we see what happens when a person finally repents, when they have that humility. I just, I love every aspect of this. So we're going to start reading again in Daniel chapter 4, verse 28, picking up right after the dream had been interpreted by Daniel. And the king understands the meaning of it. And we're going to see that even though he got the interpretation of it. He understood it in his mind. The thing still came to pass, and the king still goes insane, as we're going to see in these verses. And really, it's it's just, it shows that he didn't learn his lesson. Really, he might have understood what the prophecy meant, but it took him a year, and he was doing exactly what God predicted he would do. So let's start reading in verse 28. It says, All this came upon the king, Nebuchadnezzar. Well, of course, because anything God says is going to come to pass. So God told him in his vision what would happen to him. And so now it comes to pass. And that's what happens. When God says something, you can rely on that, that it is going to happen. And then we read in verse 29, at the end of 12 months, he, which is Nebuchadnezzar, he's writing in the third person here. It says, at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. So he made it 12 months, but we're going to see what happens here. It says, the king spake and said, is not this great Babylon? And I have built for the house of the kingdom of the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. So here his statement is just overflowing with pride. He says, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the, pow- by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? So I'm going to use the outline that I read, I think, in the John Phillips commentary, which is very simple. It's basically this part of this chapter is labeled into three categories, and that is the king's ruin, the king's repentance, and the king's restoration. So this is what brings on the king's ruin. And he's just going out for a stroll in Babylon. He makes a comment about the beauty of Babylon, but then he boasts about his own accomplishments, lifting himself up as if he had made the Babylonian Empire And he had set himself up as the king and as if he was in control. And we're going to see 
that that pride and arrogance is about to be punished very harshly. Verse 31 says, While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And that's all that had to happen. God spoke. And God says, just like I told you, your kingdom is now taken away from you. And God takes literally everything from this man who had seemingly the whole world at his fingertips. And God took everything from him. While those words were still in the king's mouth, that's how serious God is when he says something. It's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. And Nebuchadnezzar, I can just imagine the sinking feeling when he makes that statement, when he's boasting, and he remembers back to the vision that Daniel explained of the tree being cut down, and God tells him, yep, it's happening. This is it. And, you know, sometimes God has to show us how little control we have over our own lives so that we realize that he is really the one in control. That was the case for Nebuchadnezzar. And we we're going to see how quickly, you know, his life fell apart. God took away everything from him. But this is such a beautiful and incredible part of his testimony. This is what brings him to repentance. And this is what God does out of his mercy for us sometimes is he brings us to the point where we realize that we are nothing. We have nothing. We don't even have motivation in and of ourselves to do anything. It is God that gives us that. And so we have to realize how bankrupt and how destitute we are without God. And sometimes God pushes us to that point where he proves it to us. He shows us just how much we need him. And that is incredible. That's that's what the gospel is. We have to realize how ruined we are. It's not a scare tactic. It's not, I'm not saying, you know, if you don't, do this or that, then something terrible is going to happen and and your life's going to be ruined. No, I'm just saying we have to come to the point where we admit the truth that without God, our life is a wreck. It's a mess. And no matter how much we think we're in control, we might have it put together to where we're the CEO of a huge company or we're some leading influencer in the world, but we still are not in control. It's God who is in control. And we have to admit that. We have to come to God humbly, accepting him as the Lord of our life. And so what happens to the king here? Well, he's banished from Babylon, the very city that he's boasting about, the very beauty that he's impressed himself with. He gets kicked out of his own kingdom. So let's keep reading here. Verse 32 Um, So at the end of verse 31, it says, The kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. So God's saying, I'm going to, show you how little control you have until you know 
that it's me that's in control, that I'm the one running your kingdom, that I'm the one in control of world events. And it says in verse 33, this same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, so he's banished here, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. This is real history. This literally happened to this king, and it's it's a miracle. It's an act of God, and as we talked about last week, it's an act of God that his kingdom didn't go to someone else, that someone else didn't rise up and take over that that control in the midst of the power vacuum that was created. But no, God preserved his kingdom, and it was still waiting there for him when he repented and came to acknowledge God as being control. And then it says, and at the end of the days, here's the repentance of Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the days, after seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Here's the king's acknowledgement. First off, the first thing that jumps out to me is he started believing the Bible. That's the first change that happened to him. He started believing God's word, what God said. He says, God is in control. This happened to me because God doesn't repute anyone on earth as anything. We're basically worthless. And God is the one who orchestrates the armies of heaven. None can stay his hand. No one can say to him, what do, what do you do? You know, what are you doing? What, what authority do you do that by? And he's saying this, you know, as his testimony. This is what he, he changed in his mind. He started believing the Bible. And he's blessing God's kingdom. He's basing his own kingdom. And he's lifting up God's kingdom. And he says that this is his understanding returned to him. And he blessed the Most High. What a change, you know, from going to being this insane king. He literally did go insane to being someone whose mind returned to them. And then he's one of the most, um, their people in his kingdom. I mean, talk about his bearings coming back. He had more of a grip on reality after this experience than the people who never went through this experience. He realized that God is in control and God restored him to his kingdom. Let's read about that in verses 36 and 37. It says, at the same time, my reason returned unto me and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. And boy, Nebuchadnezzar knew that firsthand. But this is the first time that he 
has truly repented. This is so different than what he said when his first dream was interpreted by Daniel or when he saw Daniel's three friends go through the fiery furnace. This is true repentance. This isn't just him doing lip service to God, just making a statement, just kind of tipping his hat, if you would, to God. No, he's acknowledging God personally. And it's so amazing to read. He said that his brightness returned. We already said his bearings returned. And then his belongings returned. I mean, his kingdom was given back to him. He was given even more majesty than he had to begin with. You know, his blessing in his kingdom continued because he put his trust in God. So what an amazing testimony. And then he used what he had, his, his fame, you know, his position. He used that to tell others about the true God, the one Lord over all the earth who truly does reign and who is active and involved in the affairs of man. So let me just encourage you to share your testimony. There's nothing quite like the story that you have of how you came to believe in the true God. That's your story. You know, just like this specific chapter is Nebuchadnezzar's story. So go tell your testimony to other people. Don't ever stop sharing that with the people around you. And then we're going to jump into chapter 5. There's a lot coming. I did also want to point out in this chapter, some of the greatest statements about God's sovereignty were made by this newly converted king of a pagan empire. So that's pretty incredible. And really, the time is flying as we go through Daniel. It's going by quick. We just finished chapter four. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you stay tuned in the weeks to come as we continue through this incredible book of prophecy, and we try to apply it to our own lives. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.